Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Matt, for leading us this morning. Thank you for sharing from your heart. And Pastor Jason, if you're watching, thank you for sharing from your heart as well. Some touching words to remind us about Memorial Day and a happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you and a happy race day for all you race fans as well. Uh, my name is Dean. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Church. And on behalf of our team, we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us here today. Matt, I really also want to uh, thank you for the Lou Melnati's pizza. Uh, that's, that's really a nice touch. Uh, you will enjoy it, I guarantee you, if you come back in a little while. So thank you for being here this morning on this special holiday. And I want to thank all the kids that are here too and look forward to having you be a part of the service. So thanks for spending time with us as well. Uh, over the last seven years, prior to coming back to Community Church here in October, I was with Athletes in Action Sports Ministry in Ohio, and over that time I got to meet a lot of our uh, teammates, and you know, I got to be good friends with them. One of them was Jonathan. He was in the basketball department. Uh, he met his wife-to-be, Lena, on a missions trip, basketball trip to Columbia, and we celebrated when they were married and rejoiced a couple years ago when their daughter Sarah was born and grieved with them recently when they had a miscarriage. But I was informed by an AIA teammate over the past week or so of a situation they're dealing with. They sent a caring bridge and their little two-year-old daughter Sarah is dealing with a brain tumor and cancer. There's only 300 cases known and only 20 survivors of this type of cancer. They are hoping and praying that Sarah will be the 21st. And I, as I read through the Caring Bridge, I began to read through what Jonathan, my teammate, had been writing. And I wanted to share just a few of those thoughts this morning from his Caring Bridge. He said, I feel like I have nothing left to offer my family. And as I was helping my wife change Sarah's diaper, I had this thought, I don't want to bury my daughter. As we face temptation to despair and to turn to sinful ways to cope with this journey that we're on, we keep trying to reach out to Christian brothers and sisters to share our hearts and to ask them to keep praying, which helps tremendously. Please pray for me to have God's strength and wisdom to care for my wife and daughter because my strength is fading fast and feels gone. Please pray for us to find hope in God and his great love for us and for Sarah. Please pray for us to endure the grief to God's glory if he and his will decides not to heal Sarah from this tumor. And thank you to everyone who has prayed for us, encouraged us, cried with us, sent us different kinds of gifts. Words cannot completely describe how encouraging all you have been. Thank you. And I share that with you this morning for two reasons. One, so that all of us, from senior down to a little kiddo here, would put Sarah and Jonathan and Lena on your prayer list and be praying for them daily and asking for the Lord's care for them. And second of all, I wanted to share what a fellow Christ followers, fellow Christ followers are doing in experience in seeking after God's will, in calling on 
brothers and sisters to come alongside and help to try to be strengthened for this journey to share their hearts. Because that's really what we're going to be looking at this morning in this great passage of Scripture. We're going to close our series on Teach Us to Pray that we've been in for the past five weeks. And here we're going to see the Lord Jesus focus on the team aspect of prayer. One of many ways we can look at this passage, but there is a team aspect of it. And we're going to see through Christ's example for us and Christ's exhortation to us that we need each other in order to have victory over the temptations, the trials, the tests that come our way in life and to see four action steps that we can put into practice today, this week, in our lives to try to make that happen. So turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. We'll be in verses 39 to 46 in just a minute. I've titled the message, Teaming Up to Defeat Temptation. Teaming Up. And we're going to see that played out this morning. Uh, S.D. Gordon, a great man of prayer and minister, said this, We can do more than pray after we have prayed, but we cannot do more than pray until we have prayed. So join me as we pray to begin our time. Spirit of the living God, please fall fresh on us today. Father, we ask that you would help us to see Christ's example and to hear Christ's exhortation to us so that we can team up to defeat temptation and have victory in the trials and tests we face. And Lord, we know these families in Texas are facing a severe trial and test. We pray they would sense your presence and peace in a strong way today. And we lift them up. And we thank you, Lord, for the men and women in the history of this country who have sacrificed on the altar of freedom. We are grateful for them. And we bless you for them. Lord, guide our time and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So let's look, first of all, Jesus' example for us, beginning at verse 39, chapter 22. It says, and he, that's Jesus, he came out and went as was his custom. I love that. This is a habit. This is a pattern of Jesus in his disciples' life to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. They leave the upper room on this last evening. It's late on Thursday night, heading into Friday morning of the day he's going to be crucified. They're heading out of the upper room, and they're going into the Garden of Gethsemane there on the Mount of Olives. And they are going to have an intimate time. It is a place of privacy. It is a place of peace. It is a place of prayer that Jesus and his disciples have gone to often. Now, it's interesting that this word Gethsemane means what? Oil press. And they used to take the olives there in the olive grove, the Mount of Olives, and crush the olives and produce oil. Kids, if you've got your little coloring things, maybe you can draw what an oil press looks like and try to picture that. And Jesus is going there But we're reminded that as he goes there, it's significant because what? Jesus in this hour and in the hours to come is going to be crushed. Crushed under the weight of our sin and the judgment for that. Isaiah, hundreds of years earlier, the prophet reminds of this in chapter 53, verse 5. Isaiah said, but he, looking ahead to the Messiah, Jesus, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed 
for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So Jesus goes to have this intimate time with his friends for prayer. And it reminds us that that's really our first action step. That we need to have a regular place and a close group to have prayer time with. Jesus and his disciples did that. I served uh, 13 years for, uh, in the FCA golf ministry many years ago, and I always have to say, working in golf ministry, it really was a job, believe it or not. And uh, no, we didn't have any openings then, and there's no openings now, but everybody would like to be a part of that. But I served there, and it was, the golf ministry was founded by a man by the name of Captain Bill Lewis. Uh, he went to the Naval Academy, was a golfer, and he started the golf ministry. I had inherited that and serving there. But Bill Lewis, while he was in college and post-college, uh, became an alcoholic. And his life began to spiral out of control. And he was heading for destruction. And the Lord Jesus in his grace saved Captain Bill, led him to be born again, brought him into his family, changed his life. But Bill always struggled with the temptation of taking alcohol. And he knew he had to do something with it. So he began to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And he would meet with the people there who were sharing those struggles. And they would go through the 12 steps, and particularly that 11th step that says, by prayer and meditation, we will keep in constant contact, close contact with God. And he was able to be delivered. And I would go up to him sometimes. I'd say, hey, Captain Bill, how are you doing today? He said, I've been sober 53 years, four months, two days, and seven hours. He knew exactly how the Lord's grace had been in his life. We need to have that kind of a team in our life. Bill knew to have victory one day at a time over one temptation at a time because of teammates around him. And you and I need the same one day at a time, one victory at a time over temptation. I ask you this morning, do you have that? Do you have a regular place? Do you have a close group and is praying for you, praying with you to help you to battle against temptation? Jesus continues, and now he gives his disciples then and us an exhortation, verse 40. And when he, Jesus, came to the place there in the garden, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Lord Jesus commands his disciples as a group to pray. He says he said to them, there were 11 of them there. Judas had gone off to betray Jesus. There were 11 of them. He speaks to them and he says, pray that you as a group enter not into temptation. He knew the importance of it. He knew the team mindset that was important for them to have victory over temptation. That word temptation is really interesting in the Greek. Perasmos. And it means, yes, a temptation to do evil. But it also means a trial. It means a test. It means to be proven through that kind of a trial. So what does that mean? It means this, that from God's perspective, the difficult circumstances that we go through in life, the challenges that you and I face are tests, are trials for us to trust God and ask Him to deliver and gain strength from Him. And then when we have that victory, we grow closer to the Lord in our spiritual life. But from Satan's point of view, it is a temptation not to trust God, to trust ourselves, or to embrace that temptation and that sin 
that may be a part of our life and to have defeat in our life. Jesus knew that was the battle that his disciples were facing and that Jesus was going to be facing in just moments. And so he wants us, and that's really the second action point for us to pray for one another and to not enter into temptation. Not only do we pray for one another, but we need to pray that we each other don't enter into those temptations. The Lord Jesus wants us to care for one another, to guard against the evil one in our life, to recognize that our foe, Satan, does not make us sin. He entices us to sin, right? But he doesn't make us sin. We choose. We choose in a situation to trust God and have him deliver us or to trust ourselves to be enticed and to fall to temptation. That is the battle that Jesus knows that his disciples were facing and that you and I face 2,000 years later. The Apostle Paul knew that, didn't he? Ephesians 6.12 says this, We wrestle not, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Apostle Peter himself would write years later in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, your adversary, the devil, prowls around seeking whom he may devour. Kids, you might even want to draw a lion there on your page there. Like a roaring lion is like Satan. I think about one of my heroes of the faith, Martin Luther. And Luther, in the starting of the Reformation that we're benefits of, 500 years later, faced great temptation, great trials. And through that, he learned to count on God, and that's how he could pen the words of a mighty fortress. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood, a mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not as equal. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him as rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. I've been, in my life in service and ministry, I have needed a team to come around and pray for me. Betty, my wife, has been one of those teammates, and I know she prays faithfully, diligently, and having a team. When I worked for the FCA golf ministry, I would travel to many different cities and running Bible studies or doing events, and it was on my schedule to go to New Orleans. Uh, it was a PGA Tour event. They were playing at a beautiful place called English Turn. Uh, our budget couldn't really afford me to stay in that area, so I had to find an alternative place to stay. But I just said, I just don't like going to that city. I, I feel oppressed when I go there. I don't know if it's the history of voodoo and spiritism and all the stuff that goes on in New Orleans, but I just, I don't feel comfortable. Please pray. And so they were, they were praying for me. And I, I, I didn't stay out by the golf course, so I booked a hotel and I booked a Super 8. Well, that was a mistake in itself, booking a Super 8. But anyway, I, I, I landed late in the afternoon, got my rented car, and I drove. And as I drove, and I, I saw the sign, and I turned the ramp, and I pulled into the parking lot at the Super 8, and right next to it was an adult bookstore. 
And the Lord was impressing upon me, Dean, you don't need to be here. You don't need to stay here. And I was thinking, okay, well, I, I booked it already. The prayers of my teammates were protecting me, providing a fortress for me. And I said, you're right, Lord, I can't stay here. And so I canceled the reservation, and I, I think I stayed at the house of the FCA director for local for a couple of days to get through that. But the teammates praying for me made a huge difference in my life. But I trusted them. I trusted them enough to share, please, keep me from temptation, pray for me. And we need to trust one another enough and have groups to be able to do that with, that we can share our deepest struggles and let them be praying for us. That's why our small group ministry here at church is so really important because it provides a place for you, to a safe place to share the struggles, the concerns, the difficulties that you're having. We're reminded in Scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to be able to bring that to our teammates. So let me ask you this, as you think about your life this past week, today, what are the temptations that you are facing in life? And do you have a team that you can share? Do you trust them to share and let them be a part of making a difference in your life? Jesus continues to give us an example, verse 41, and he, Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. In Mark and Matthew's account, Jesus leaves eight of the disciples, said, wait here while I go and pray. He takes Peter, James, and John, so kids, maybe you can draw that, the eight disciples in one area, three, and then Jesus going off to pray. And Jesus goes off, and he had always taken this uh, group of Peter, James, and John, an inner circle, with him in certain cases. They went up to the house of Jairus when Jesus raised the little girl, the 12-year-old girl from the dead. He took them to the Mount of Transfiguration where he took the veil that has covered his glory off momentarily, and they saw his glory, and they saw Moses and Elijah standing with him. They had seen Jesus' divinity, but now... They are seeing Jesus' humanity to the extreme. And he goes off a few feet away from them, a stone's throw away. They could hear him. They could see him. And Jesus was leaving an example for him. And it says, he knelt down and prayed. Matthew and Mark said not only did he kneel down, but he fell face forward. Jesus was in a in a position that wasn't normally used for prayer. Normally the uh, Jewish people would stand, they'd lift their eyes to heaven, maybe lift their arms up, but Jesus was falling down in humility, in reliance upon the Lord, upon desperation for the Lord to work in his life and help him through this temptation. And Matthew and Mark said he was sorrowful and greatly distressed even unto death. This temptation that Jesus was facing was so strong, it was really killing him. It was that intense, that strong. And as Jesus goes through verse 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will 
be done. Jesus says that intimacy, Father, Abba. Pastor Jason talked about that a few weeks ago, that close intimacy. Jesus, part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus is facing the greatest temptation that has ever, ever come. It is the temptation to bypass the cross. Satan did not want Christ to be a sacrifice for sin. He did not want Christ to be a substitute for sinners. He had engaged Jesus at the beginning of his ministry and offered him the kingdom without the cross. And Jesus resisted that temptation, but he is coming with all his weapons right now at Jesus. And Jesus is tempted in his holiness, his perfection as God and man, to embrace sin. Not to sin, but to take sin upon himself. The Holy Spirit through Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus is praying to have another way as he understands the gravity of all this. That he is tempted to take on the temptation to take on the burden of sin. We are tempted, what? To embrace sin, to keep it. We have to pray for holiness. Jesus was praying out of his holiness to be kept from temptation. We are praying out of our temptation toward holiness. Jesus was going through that. And so Jesus asks for a different path. His heart cry was not to be separated from the Father, not to endure the full cup of God's wrath. The commentary said, but to shrink from a painful death is not necessarily cowardice. The highest bravery may consist in being fully cognizant of impending, agonizing death, and yet to embrace it voluntarily. If Jesus was not shrinking from this, we would question whether he was fully human. But the gravity of this reminds us Jesus was fully human, and therefore he understands everything that we are going through and will go through. And he can sympathize with us and pray for us and lead us through. And yet in all of this, Jesus made himself subject to the will of the Father. Thy will be done, he said. Think about it. Jesus prayed a prayer to the Father and the Father said what? No. The Father said no. And Jesus accepted that. He accepted the will. God's will was for Jesus to die on the cross as a substitute for sinners. God's sovereign decree was that Jesus would die at 3 o'clock that afternoon. It's early Friday morning now. 3 o'clock on Friday he would die because that's when the Jewish priests were sacrificing the Passover lambs. And he would be sacrificed as the Passover lamb. And so Jesus is going through this. MacArthur says in his prayer, Jesus was consciously, deliberately, and voluntarily subjecting all his human desires to the Father's perfect will. And that's really our third action point, to agree with one another for the Lord's will to be done. As I shared about my friends Jonathan and Lena, Jonathan finished with one 
Another quote recently, he said, please pray against the attacks of the enemy and our family and of despair and the temptation to cope with this stress in sinful ways. Don't forget to keep praying for Sarah's complete healing if it is God's will. And they've come to that difficult point of yielding and saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God's will is not always our will, but it is the best will. We can trust him. He is all good. He is all powerful. He is all loving. He is all knowing. And we may not understand it, and we might choose a different path, but we can trust God and his will. And so I ask you, are you able to pray that for someone or something in your life today for God's will to be done? Do you have teammates that come around you and can help you pray God's will be done? Lastly, we see verse 43, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. God the Father, a teammate in the Trinity, team Trinity is coming and God is helping Jesus. He's sending an angel He did that in Mark chapter 1 after Jesus was tempted and the angels came and and cared for Jesus afterwards. But look at this. He's going right in the middle of his temptation. And the angel came and strengthened him, not to deliver, but to help him through. Why? Because look at the next verse. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Jesus wasn't done with the temptation, but the angel came to help him. The team came around him. Father and Spirit were coming around and helping Jesus. And he was in agony. Agonia. It is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. And it means to battle to the max. To struggle for victory through severe mental, physical, emotional trial. And Jesus was so tempted and this was such an intense challenge. It said it was what? He was sweating drops of blood. His sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. There's actually a medical condition, hematidrosis, where under tremendous stress, capillaries burst and the sweat glands and the blood comes with the sweat. Kids, you might even draw that on your page of Jesus there and just showing the intensity of the sweat and the blood coming down from him. And then finally, verse 45, and he rose from the prayer. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. Jesus rises in victory because he is ready to face his opponents. They're already coming to arrest him and take him for trial and then the crucifixion. But he has the full assurance of the Father's will, the Father's love to get him through the cross. And so he rises victoriously. And he moves toward them. He actually tells his disciples, let's go. He doesn't go to flee, doesn't run away. He goes right toward them, right toward the cross. How could he do that? How could, how could Jesus do that? It says in Hebrews 12 too, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how Jesus could do that. The disciples are sleeping for sorrow. Three times in the other accounts that Jesus came and woke them up. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the 
flesh is weak. They were sorrowful. They were desperate. They were in despair. Why? Well, because they didn't understand all that was going on, but they're realizing it was not a kingdom coming. The Romans weren't going to be overthrown. The corrupt Jewish leaders weren't going to be overruled. Jesus was leaving them, wondering what What's gone on these last three years to bring us to this point? That sorrow was causing a depression and they were sleeping. And Jesus says to them, why are you sleeping? Pray that you enter not into temptation. He repeats that exhortation. And I, I just sense from Jesus that disappointment. You guys are sleeping. I told you to pray. And he knows disciples are going to desert him. Peter's going to deny him. Thomas is going to doubt him. And yet, he rises in victory. Jesus had victory because of his prayer, working with the Father, the Spirit. And you and I will have victory in our life over whatever temptations come our way when we have a team praying for us, caring for us. But we will have defeat when we do not have that team. We will have failure in the temptations when we don't have that team praying for us and us praying for them. It said spiritual eagerness is often accompanied by carnal weakness, a danger amply experienced by successive generations of Christians. How true. So lastly, I think we see from this that we need to stay alert and persist. Jesus said, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. This past week on Wednesday, we had a, a joy of having Pastor Telly Moraes come, and he visited us. He's been with World Renewal for 30 years, and you can see the photo there, and we, we got to pray for him, him for us, and we realized 30 years we've partnered together with him through the challenges, the trials, the celebrations, the highs, the key has been to persist in prayer. And we've been able to do that, and he for us. And he's got some exciting ideas. We've got a couple of our own church going down there in a few weeks. Exciting things to be thinking about. For whom have you been praying for, maybe with teammates, that you need to persist to realize that it hasn't happened yet, we haven't had an answer, but I need to persist. So we team up to defeat temptation, to have victory over the trials and tests of life. When we see Christ's example demonstrated here, when we hear his exhortation to us, we realize we need to have a, a regular place, a close group to pray with. We need to pray to not enter temptation. We need to be able to pray, Lord, your will be done. And we need to persist in that prayer. Will you do one or more of those action steps today, this week, and put into practice the victory that Christ gives us through prayer and prayer with others? Again, S.D. Gordon said, the great people of the earth today are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, not those who believe in prayer, and not even those who can explain about prayer, but I mean those people who take time to pray. 
The psalmist says in Psalm 95, Oh, come, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. To close this series and to close this message, I'm asking you if you're physically able, join me on our knees as we close in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we call you Father, and we thank you for our time. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for ministering to us through it. Thank you for the example of our Lord Jesus and his exhortation to us. Father, forgive us where we have yielded to temptation and bring cleansing and healing. Father, deliver us from temptation. And may we as teammates pray for one another and be prayed for by one another. Lord, that we would escape the prowling of the evil one who seeks to devour us and to live victoriously one day at a time. Father, we are grateful for this time. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for any that need to yield their life to the Savior today. May you open their heart. May they trust Christ and be born again by the Spirit of God. And Lord, we're reminded from your word in Philippians 2. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty and matchless and magnificent name. Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts for communion now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.